spark congressional efforts to require tech companies to help law enforcement create an encryption bypass dead, and cyber criminals up the ante on exploiting video web ads. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today with a look at a report published this week by a special U.S. House of Representatives panel. That report from the Encryption Working Group says Congress should not enact laws to require technology vendors to create backdoors to bypass encryption. Following the San Bernardino terrorist attacks last December, when Apple refused to help decrypt the iPhone used by the shooter, the FBI and some lawmakers called for legislation to require vendors to help law enforcement to gain access to encrypted devices that could contain evidence of criminal activities. Encryption advocates loudly protested such legislation. They point out that creating such a backdoor also could be used by the bad guys. Besides, the overwhelming use of encryption is to protect non-criminals, such as individuals, to safeguard their privacy, governments to shield state secrets, and businesses to defend intellectual property from criminals, terrorists, and nation-state actors. The House Encryption Working Group report says any measure that weakens encryption works against the national interest. Still, the working group says Congress should not ignore and must address the legitimate concerns of law enforcement and the intelligence community to gain access to encrypted data on criminal and terrorist devices. The working group also addressed legal hacking and suggests Congress should debate whether or not to create a framework that identifies if and when it would be allowed. Lawful hacking, as it's also known, occurs when law enforcement exploits vulnerabilities found in devices and systems to bypass encryption protections to obtain evidence of a crime. Though it doesn't require creating a backdoor, lawful hacking raises ethical concerns. Should authorities exploit the vulnerabilities to gather evidence against criminal suspects, or should they notify the makers of the devices or services that a flaw exists that should be patched? There's no simple answer. Herb Lin is a Stanford University senior research scholar who served on President Obama's Commission on Enhancing National Cybersecurity, and he says Congress should consider establishing a framework when to allow lawful hacking. He offers this scenario when lawful hacking could make sense. Let's say there were a piece of obscure software that was known to be used primarily by drug dealers or terrorists. 99% of the known instances of this is terrorist or drug dealer use. And we discover a vulnerability there. In those circumstances, I'm willing to say that the scales would likely to be tipped in favor of hoarding it. You know, you could come back to me and say, oh, that's never true. Well, then you're denying the premise. But if you accept that premise, that's an example, it seems to me, of a place where you would be very silly to reveal it. The new Congress convenes on January 3rd, and it could be months, if ever, that lawmakers would consider legislation to address lawful hacking. One thing that's almost a certainty, Congress will not enact a bill to require technology companies to give law enforcement a backdoor to circumvent encryption. It's been nearly two weeks since President Barack Obama signed the 21st Century Cures Act. The new law provides for the spending of $6.3 billion over the next decade, much of it on new investments in cancer research and battling drug abuse. The Cures Act also lays out a number of privacy and security-related initiatives, including fining organizations that intentionally block health data information sharing. Joining me to discuss the new law is Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor Marianne Kolbasak-McGee. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Eric. The impact of the patient data privacy and security provisions of the 21st Century Cures Act will depend in part on who is chosen to serve on working groups to study key issues and come up with recommendations. That's right. 
groups, and that includes a working group of members representing federal agencies, including the Department of Health and Human Services, Office for Civil Rights, the Food and Drug Administration, the National Institutes of Health, the research community, and patients. Stephen Tepler is a partner at the Abbott Law Group who handles data breach litigation. And I asked him if provisions in the act could prove problematic in regards to privacy and security. If what is promulgated as a result of this act winds up being a watered-down requirement, then it will do more harm than good. My suggestion would be to say, look who the interested parties are who come to the table to try to influence the working group or who comprises the working group And you'll see which way that wave is going to be headed. The law takes effect as Donald Trump becomes president. Will a Trump presidency help shape the way the law is implemented, especially as it applies to privacy and security? Potentially, yes. Trump, for instance, says he wants to roll back two regulations for every one regulation that's enacted. And this is what Tepler says. You will probably have more of a business-oriented approach to, to the promulgations of these regulations. And so I expect there to be a fairly robust debate, shall we say, between the factions who are seeking to issue the report of the working groups. The 21st Century Cures Act addresses how new medical devices are regulated, and it provides additional money for the Food and Drug Administration that regulates these devices. Will much change under the new law on how the security and privacy of these devices are regulated? Well, the act aims to help streamline how FDA approves medical devices and drugs so that innovations can come to the market faster. Yarmela Pavlovic is a partner at the law firm Hogan Lobels, and she helps medical device makers win FDA marketing approval for their products. She says the impact of the 21st Century Cures Act on cybersecurity of medical devices, however, may be minimal. That may overall impact the ability of the agency to perform its tasks because it will have additional funding. However, that funding really is focused on the initiatives that are in 21st century care. So I don't know that it will have any very direct impact on cybersecurity. I think the agency will continue to review cybersecurity both in a pre-market setting and in a post-market setting for devices and encourage medical device companies to be thinking about these issues critically. Not every device that many people identify as being medical fall under this law, right? There could be some exceptions. Pavlovic explains. And there are certainly companies that make wearable sensors and consumer products that may additionally have separate cloud-based software that may be impacted by the change. Until the regulations are hammered out completely, the impact on device security and privacy remains undetermined. Also, you have to keep in mind that many of these provisions don't take effect for a year or more. So it could take quite a while before we really do see the impact that this legislation will have on privacy and security. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Each day, hundreds of millions of video ads are viewed, not by people, but by automated bots that are designed to mimic the behavior of real online users. And those bots end up costing the video ad publishers big bucks. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk explains. 
As if the online advertising industry didn't have enough on its plate these days between fake news and ad-blocking software, a new report says a Russian gang reaped 3 to $5 million a day by fraudulently viewing video ads. The finding renews concerns over cheating in the digital advertising business. The scam was nicknamed MethBot by a company called White Ops, which focuses on detecting fraudulent online ad traffic. The victims are marketers who spent money to place video advertisements on top-tier publishers. Their ads ended up on fake websites created by the gang that were designed to look like those of the real publishers. Video ads command some of the highest premiums in online advertising, much more than text or display ads. Publishers may receive as high as $36 per 1,000 views, a metric referred to as CPM. The average is slightly over $13. White Ops estimates that more than 6,000 publishers were spoofed. Jerome Segura, a lead malware intelligence analyst with Malwarebytes, says the scale of MethBot is impressive. Rather than use compromised home computers, the gang rented infrastructure in the U.S. and the Netherlands. Whereas in this case, they had to buy all this infrastructure. They had to buy all this IP space. And that costs a lot of money. You know, it's not everybody that can do that. It's somebody who's, you know, very interested and definitely has, has the skills to, to do this, to pull this off. White Ops says the botnet has become so embedded in the layers of the advertising ecosystem that the only way to shut it down is to make the details public. Still, advertising networks have varying interest in security issues since fixing problems takes away from the bottom line. But major players in the industry have long realized the threat that cybercriminals pose to their businesses. They've sought to tamp down doubts that digital ads may be not reaching their target audiences by employing security techniques to distinguish between real people and bots. Craig Spiesel of the Online Trust Alliance says the ongoing gaming of online advertising has been an elephant in the room for the industry, which he says is being hit with the perfect storm. Ad technology companies are facing criticism over the placement of ads on questionable websites with fake news stories. The traffic boost that fake news stories received on Facebook and Twitter is believed to have been a powerful force in the recent U.S. presidential election. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, more evidence has surfaced tying Russia to the hack the U.S. intelligence community suggests was an attempt to influence the American presidential election. As Data Breach Today editor Matt Schwartz reports, an analysis from the cybersecurity firm CrowdStrike contends the same family of malware that hackers used to breach Democratic Party computers also infected an Android app used by military units defending eastern Ukraine after Russia invaded Crimea in 2014. The report says malware known as X-Agent is a variant of a type used not only against the DNC, but also the World Anti-Doping Agency in support of a suspected Russian government disinformation campaign. And the security provider says the use of the malware against Ukrainian artillery app bolsters its attribution of related attacks to the Russian military. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.